Book Four, Chapter One of Camilla. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Velwest. Camilla, or A Picture of Youth by Fanny Burney. Book Four, Chapter One A Few Explanations. The last words of Dr. Marchmont in taking leave of Edgar were injunctions to circumspection, and representations of the difficulty of drawing back with honor if once any incautious eagerness betrayed his partiality. To this counsel he was impelled to submit, lest he should risk for Camilla a report similar to that which for Indiana had given him so much disturbance. There, indeed, he felt himself wholly blameless his admiration was but such as he always experienced at sight of a beautiful picture nor had it ever been demonstrated in any more serious manner he had distinguished her by no particular attention singled her out by no pointed address taken no pains to engage her good opinion and manifested no flattering pleasure at her approach or presence his sense of right was too just to mislead him into giving himself similar absolution with respect to Camilla. He had never, indeed, indulged a voluntary vent to his preference, but the candor of his character convinced him that what so forcibly he had felt he must occasionally have betrayed. Yet the idea excited regret without remorse, for though it had been his wish as well as intention to conceal his best hopes till they were ratified by his judgment, he had the conscious integrity of knowing that, should her heart become his prize, his dearest view in life would be to solicit her hand. To preserve, therefore, the appearance of an undesigning friend of the house, he had forced himself to refrain for two days from any visit to the rectory, whither he was repairing when thus unlooked and unwished for he surprised camilla at the grove disappointed and disapproving feelings kept him while there aloof from her by continual suggestions that her character was of no stability that dr marchmont was right in his doubts and miss margland herself not wrong in accusing her of caprice and when he perceived, upon her preparing to walk home with her brother and sister, that Major Sirwood stepped forward to attend her, he indignantly resolved to arrange without delay his continental excursion. But again, when, as she quitted the room, he saw her head half turned round with an eye of inquiry if he followed, he determined frankly and at once, in his capacity of a friend, to request some explanation of this meeting. The assiduities of the major made it difficult to speak to her, but the aid of her desire for a conversation, which was equally anxious and less guarded than his own, anticipated his principal investigation by urging her voluntarily to seize an opportunity of relating to him the history of her first visit to Mrs. Arlberry, and of assuring him that the second was indispensably its consequence. Softened by this apparent earnestness for his good opinion, all his interest and all his tenderness for her returned and though much chagrined at the accident or rather mischief which had thus established the acquaintance he had too little to say whatever he had to feel of positive weight against it to propose its now being relinquished he thanked her impressively for so ready an explanation and then gently added i know your predilection in favour of this lady and I will say nothing to disturb it, but as she is yet new to you, 
and as all residence all intercourse from your home or relations is new to you also tell me candidly sincerely tell me can you condescend to suffer an old friend though in the person of but a young man to offer you from time to time a hint a little counsel a few brief words of occasional advice and even perhaps now and then to torment you into a little serious reflection if you cried she gaily will give me the reflection i promise to the best of my power to give you in return the seriousness but i can by no means engage for both oh never but from your own prudence he answered gratefully may your delightful vivacity know a curb if now i see myself to fear it it is not from moroseness it is not from insensibility to its charm he was stopped here by MacDurcy, who, suddenly overtaking him, entreated an immediate short conference upon a matter of moment. Though cruelly vexed by the interruption, he could not refuse to turn back with him, and Camilla again was left wholly to the gallant major, but her heart felt so light that she had just cleared herself to Edgar, so gratified by his request to become himself her monitor and so enchanted to find her acquaintance with mrs albury no longer disputed that she was too happy to admit any vexation and the major had never thought her so charming though of the major she thought not one moment mick Darcy, with a long ceremonious and not very clear apology confessed he had called mandelbert aside only to inquire into the certain truth if it were not a positive secret of his intended nuptials with the beautiful miss lindmere mandelbert with surprise but without any hesitation declared himself wholly without any pretensions to that lady mick Darcy then embraced him and they parted mutually satisfied it seemed now too late to mandelbert to go to etherington till the next day whither as soon as he had breakfasted he then rode according to his general custom he went immediately to the study where he met with a calm but kind reception from mr tyrold and after half an hour's conversation upon lisbon dr marchmont and mrs tyrold he left him to seek his young friends in the parlour he found lavinia alone but before he could inquire for her sister who was accidentally upstairs lionel just dismounted from his horse appeared oh ho edgar cried he you are here are you this would make fine confusion if that beauty of nature miss margland should happen to call they've just sent for you to beech park i don't know what's to be done to you but if you have an inclination to save poor camilla's eyes or cap at least from that meek tender creature you'll set off for cleves before they know you are in this house edgar amazed desired an explanation but he protested the wrath of miss margland had been so comical and given him so much diversion that he had not been able to get any particulars he only knew there was a great commotion and that edgar was declared in love with some of his sisters or cousins and Miss Margland was in a rage that it was not with herself, and that, in short, because he only happened to drop a hint of the latter notion, that delectable paragon had given him so violent a blow with her fine eyes, that in order to vent an ungovernable fit of laughter, without the risk of having the house pulled about his ears, he had hastily mounted his horse and galloped off. 
the contempt of edgar for miss margland would have made him disdain another question if the name of camilla had not been mingled in this relation no question however could procure further information lionel enchanted that he had tormented miss margland understood nothing more of the matter and could only repeat his own merry sayings and their effect lavinia expressed most innocently her curiosity to know what this meant and was going for camilla to assist in some conjecture but edgar who by this strange story had lost his composure felt unequal to hearing it discussed in her presence and pleading sudden haste rode away he did not however go to cleves he hardly knew if lionel had not amused him with a feigned story but he no sooner arrived at beech park than he found a message from sir hugh begging to see him with all speed the young ensign was the cause of this present summons and disturbance elated by the declaration of mandelbert that the rumour of his contract was void of foundation and buoyed up by mrs albury to whom he returned with the communication he resolved to make his advances in form he presented himself therefore at cleves where he asked an audience of sir hugh and at once with his accustomed vehemence declared himself bound eternally life and soul to his fair niece miss lindmere and desired that in order to pay his addresses to her he might be permitted to see her at odd times when he was off duty sir hugh was scarce able to understand him from his volubility and the extravagance of his phrases and gestures but he imputed them to his violent passion and therefore answered him with great gentleness assuring him he did not mean to doubt his being a proper alliance for his niece though he had never heard of him before but begging he would not be affronted if he could not accept him not knowing yet quite clearly if she were not engaged to a young gentleman in the neighbourhood the ensign now loudly proclaimed his own news mandelbert had protested himself free and the whole county already rang with the mistake sir hugh who always at a loss how to say no thought this would have been a good answer now sent for miss margland and desired her to speak herself with the young gentleman miss margland much gratified asked mcdersey if she could look at his rent-roll he had nothing of the kind at hand he said not being yet come to his estate which was in ireland and was still the property of a first cousin who was not yet dead miss margland promising he should have an answer in a few days then dismissed him but more irritated than ever against mandelbert from the contrast of his power to make settlements she burst forth into her old declarations of his ill usage of miss lindmere attributing it wholly to the contrivances of camilla whom she had herself she said surprised wheedling edgar into her snares when she called last at etherington and who she doubted not they should soon hear was going to be married to him sir hugh always understood literally whatever was said these assertions therefore of ill-humour merely made to vent black bile affected him deeply for the honour and welfare of camilla and he hastily sent a messenger for edgar determining to beg if that were the case he would openly own the whole and not leave all the blame to fall all upon his poor niece at this period lionel had called and by inflaming miss margland had aggravated the general disturbance when edgar arrived sir hugh told him of the affair assuring him he should never have taken amiss his preferring camilla which he thought but natural if he had only done it from the first 
Edgar, though easily through all this he saw the malignant yet shallow offices of Miss Margland, found himself with infinite vexation, compelled to declare off equally from both the charges, conscious that till the very moment of his proposals he must appear to have no preference nor designs. He spoke, therefore, with the utmost respect of the young ladies, but again said it was uncertain if he should not travel before he formed any establishment. The business thus explicitly decided, nothing more could be done, but Miss Margland was somewhat appeased when she heard that her pupil was not so disgracefully to be supplanted. Indiana herself, to whom Edgar had never seemed agreeable, soon forgot she had ever thought of him, and elated by the acquisition of a new lover, doubted not, but in a short time, the publication of her liberty would prove slavery to all mankind. Early the next morning, the carriage of Sir Hugh arrived at the rectory for Camilla. She never refused an invitation from her uncle, but she felt so little equal to passing a whole day in the presence of Miss Margland, after the unaccountable yet alarming relations she had gathered from Lionel, that she entreated him to accompany her, and to manage that she should return with him as soon as the horses were fed and rested. Lionel, ever good-humoured and ready to oblige, willingly complied, but demanded that she should go with him in their way back to see a new house, which he had wanted to examine. Sir Hugh received her with his usual affection, Indiana with indifference, and Miss Marglin with a malicious smile. But Eugenia, soon taking her aside, disclosed to her that Edgar, the day before, had publicly and openly disclaimed any views upon Indiana, and had declared himself without any passion whatever, and free from all inclination or intention but to travel. The blush of pleasure with which Camilla heard the first sentence of this speech became the tingle of shame at the second, and whitened into surprise and sorrow at the last. Eugenia, though she saw some disturbance, understood not these changes. Early absorbed in the study of literature and languages under the direction of a preceptor who had never mingled with the world, her capacity had been occupied in constant work for her memory, but her judgment and penetration had been wholly unexercised. Like her uncle, she concluded everybody and everything to be precisely what they appeared, and though, in that given point of view, she had keener intellects to discern, and more skill to appreciate persons and characters, she was as unpractised as himself in these discriminative powers, which dive into their own conceptions to discover the latent springs, the multifarious and contradictory sources of human actions and propensities. Upon their return to the company, Miss Margland chose to relate the history herself, Mr. Mandelbert, she said, had not only thought proper to acknowledge his utter insensibility to Miss Linmere, but had declared his indifference for every woman under the sun, and protested he held them all cheap alike. So I would advise nobody, she continued, to flatter themselves with making a conquest of him, for they may take my word for it, he won't be caught very easily. Camilla disdained to understand this, but in a general sense, and made no answer. Indiana, pouting her lips, said she was sure she did not want to catch him. She did not fear having offers enough without him, if she should happen to choose to marry. "'Certainly,' said Miss Margolin, "'there's no doubt of that. 
and this young officer's coming the very moment he heard of your being at liberty is a proof that the only reason of your having had no more proposals is owing to mr mandelbear so i don't speak for you but for anybody else that may suppose they may please the difficult gentleman better camilla now breathed hard with resentment but still was silent and indiana answering only for herself said ah yes i can't say i'm much frightened i dare say if mr melman had known but he thought like everybody else however i'm sure i'm very glad of it only i wish he had spoke a little sooner for i suppose mr melman thinks me as much out of his reach as if i was married not that i care about it only it's provoking no my dear said miss margland it would be quite below your dignity to think about him without knowing better who he is or what are his expectations and connections as to this young officer i shall take proper care to make enquiries before he has his answer he belongs to a very good family for he's related to lord o'lerney and i have friends in ireland who can acquaint me with his situation and fortune there's time enough to look about you only as mr mandelbear has behaved so unhandsomely i hope none of the family will give him their countenance i am sure it will be to no purpose if anybody should think of doing it by way of having any design upon him it will be lost labor i can tell them as to that i am quite easy said indiana tossing her head anybody is welcome to him for me my cousin or anybody else camilla now absolutely called upon to speak with all the spirit she could assume said with regard to me there is no occasion to remind me how much i am out of the question yet suffer me to say respect for myself would secure me from forming such plans as you surmise if no other sense of propriety could save me from such humiliation now my dear you speak properly said miss margland taking her hand and i hope you will have the spirit to shew him you care no more for him than he cares for you i hope so too answered camilla turning pale but i don't suppose i can imagine that it is very likely he should have mentioned anything good or bad with regard to his care for me this was painfully uttered but from a curiosity irrepressible as to that my dear don't deceive yourself for the question was put home to him very properly that you might know what you had to expect and not keep off other engagements from a false notion this indeed said camilla colouring with indignation this has been a most useless a most causeless inquiry i am very glad you treat the matter as it deserves for i like to see young ladies behave with dignity and pray then what was there any did he make was any any answer to this to oh yes he answered without any great ceremony i can assure you he said in so many words that he thought no more of you than of our cousin and was going abroad to divert and amuse himself better than by entering into marriage with either one or other of you or with anybody else camilla felt half killed by this answer and presently quitting the room ran out into the garden and to a walk far from the house before she had power to breathe or recollection to be aware of the sensibility she was betraying she then as hastily went back secretly resolving never more to think of him and to shew both to himself and to the world by every means in her power her perfect indifference she could not however endure to encounter miss margland again but called for lionel and begged him to hurry the coachman
Lionel complied. She took a hasty leave of her uncle, and only saying, "'Good-bye, good-bye,' to the rest, made her escape. Sir Hugh, ever unsuspicious, thought her merely afraid to detain her brother, but Eugenia, calm, affectionate, and divested of cares for herself, saw evidently that something was wrong, though she divined not what, and entreated leave to go with her sister to Etherington, and thence return without keeping out the horses. Sir Hugh was well pleased, and the two sisters and Lionel set off together. End of chapter 1